What if you were a young child, in this case a young girl, and, and you were being raised by a widow father, and, and you were the apple of his eye, and, and you felt safe and secure in his love and his care. But then one day when you're only 13 years old, he dies and suddenly you are an orphan. No mother, no father. Do you still feel safe? Do you still feel secure? What if you are a new young bride excited about the future with the love of your life? And as a young bride in, in those days especially, the priorities you were raised with and, and, and what culture taught you was that you're your mission in life was to be a mother, to be a good wife at home and to be a mother. But then you miscarry. And then you miscarry again. And then again. And then again. And for the first 12 years of your life, you are barren with nine or more miscarriages. Would you still have the same dream, the same hopeful priorities that you had when you got married? What if now you are a mother, an older mother because you had miscarried so often, did not birth your first baby until you were nearly 39 years old, but you're still married to the, to the love of your life and, and now you're getting to those older stages, all your sons are either out of the house or in high school and you're looking forward to the golden years until you're not. Your husband is gone. Only a note is left with no forwarding address. Would you still be looking forward to the golden years? Would you still have any sense of security and, and love in your heart? What if you are a grandmother for the first time? What a joy. I've heard grandparents say, if I knew grandchildren were this much fun, I would have had them first. And you love your grandchildren as all grandparents do. They bring you such joy. And in then you see some hope. And then you receive the call. They are missing. They are dead. They have been murdered. Is life still fun? Is there still that enthusiasm in your heart? You've remarried and you're, that gap that was left when your husband disappeared is not so wide with this new man in your life. You enjoy painting and while listening to him read. But suddenly there is a crash and, and you wake up, but your new husband does not. You wake up, but you can no longer paint or hear, quite see or hear in quite the same way you could. Do you have anything left to enjoy? This is a summary of my grandma's life. How many of the, those things would you endure before you were a different person? How many of those things would you endure before you were an angry person? Before you were a, a jaded person? How many of those things would you endure before you are a hopeless person, a mournful person, a negative person? Is there any chance that from beginning to end you could be exactly who you've always been? Committed, hopeful, faithful, trusting, loving. If you are a Daniel or my grandma, then you could be. In our last sermon from the book of Daniel, Dare to be a Daniel or his friends, we are skipping chapter 5 and going straight to Daniel chapter 6. 
And in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible tells us it pleased Darius. There's a new king now on the scene. In fact, there's a whole new nation because the Medes and the Persians have now taken over Babylon. It's no longer Babylon, but now it's Medo-Persia. But Daniel is still there and he's still part of the ruling class. And it, the Bible tells us it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself amongst those three administrators and the satraps by his ex exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this moment in time, Daniel was on top of the world. He was a man, along with many of his friends who had been taken captive, separated from his family and the land he loved. But through it all, he had remained faithful to God. He'd had his life threatened, but through it all, he had remained faithful to God. And now he has achieved his highest status ever. He will rule over all of the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. But when you reach the top sometimes, especially when you reach the top by being faithful to God, there are always those who want to pull you down, including the devil himself. And the beginning of verse 4 in Daniel chapter 6 tells us this. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. Jealousy sprung up. And so they go after Daniel to get rid of him. Daniel has reached the pinnacle of this kingdom. The only person higher than him is the king. And these people are jealous of him, and so they go after him. They, they want to figure out a way to get rid of him. There is only one problem. The Bible tells us, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. There was nothing in Daniel's work. There was nothing in Daniel's character. There was nothing in Daniel's behavior that these men could find to bring him to ruin. There was no rumor that they could start because no one would believe it. There was no accusation they could make because no one would believe it. There was no criticism of the decisions he made in his work because everyone saw that Daniel was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. And then notice the next verse. It is amazing. Verse 4. Finally, these men said, we, or verse 5, excuse me. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless, listen to this, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. May I pause and ask you this question? If someone felt the need to attack you. If someone felt the need to take you down, if someone felt the need to criticize you, would it be said of you, the only area we can find to condemn them is in their absolute loyalty to God? They don't gossip. They're not lazy. They never become impatient. They're not defensive. They don't... Hoard the glory for themselves. You know what? There's nothing we can find. All we can find about them is in their loyalty to God. This is a question I think we should ponder. I think of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. 
Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A, a city on a hill, a town on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and, in it, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that, that others may see and that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. These t words tell us that everyone should know exactly who we are and what we are about as believers in Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, everyone should know exactly who you are and what you are about. We want to get rid of Daniel. There's nothing we can find. But one thing we know about Daniel that is true. He is absolutely in every way loyal to his God. Folk, you can be successful and you can be fully committed to Jesus and fully committed to who you are as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. There's a gentleman in our church. I won't say who it is because I did not ask him for permission to share this, but, but I was talking to another person, another individual that does not attend our church, but I was talking to them about this man. And you know what they said about him? You know what their criticism of him was? He wears his Adventism too much on his sleeve. He's always encouraging people to come and check out his church. I listened politely to this individual and then I went to the brother and I told him, I am so proud of you. Keep it up. The person who was talking to me exact, knew exactly who this member was and what he was about. He wears his faith too much on his sleeve. Just like these administrators in our story who knew exactly what Daniel was about. Do people know exactly who you are and what you believe? It is something we should ponder. Are we salt? Are we a city on a hill? Are we light? Something we should ponder. All these things were true of Daniel. He was salt. He was a city on the hill. He was light. We can find nothing to criticize him, but we do know something. This guy is absolutely devoted to his God. What a compliment. The Bible then tells us in verse 6, So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. Remember what they said? They said the only way we're going to figure out a way to get Daniel is if it is something in relation to his loyalty to God. Because one thing we know about Daniel is he will never, he will never dishonor his God. So these administrators and satraps went to the group as a group, to the king, and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being the during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. And King Darius liked this idea. Imagine this. Some of us are, are worried. We talked about this a little bit ago, uh, or two weeks ago, or last week, I should say. We talked about this. We don't want to speak up for something or call sin out because we're worried about what others will think of us. 
we're, we're worried about being the odd man out or we're worried about being uncomfortable. Here was Daniel. And I don't see Daniel probably as an obnoxious Christian, but simply because he was so faithful, all these people turned against him. It said all the leaders went to the king as a group, all the administrators, all the prefects, all the satraps, all the governors of the provinces, even though Daniel was honorable in every way and they could not find one thing wrong with the decisions he made, there was jealousy and they were against him. If you are standing for the right and people are against you, don't assume necessarily that something is wrong with you. In the last days, more and more, standing for right will isolate you. That is just the reality. And Daniel was isolated from these people. And so they go and they appeal to the king's ego. And the king likes this idea. He doesn't think through the ramifications of this. And he issues the decree in writing that no one should pray to anybody else except to the king. And here is how Daniel responded to that decree. Now, when Daniel learned, verse 10, that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knee and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Just as he had done before. Just in case you don't know the rest of the story, the other administrators were spying on Daniel. And why were they spying on Daniel? Remember what they said. We can't find anything at all wrong with Daniel. So we're going to have to trap him in his loyalty to God. And so as soon as the king made that decree, they went to watch Daniel. To watch for Daniel because what they knew, they knew this about Daniel. That his character and that what he did before would be the same after the decree. And they saw him three times pray to his God. And then they went and they told the king. And even though the king was mournful that he'd been trapped, that he'd been tricked into putting Daniel into the position, there was a law in the land that he could not go against, his own edict. So Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And the king said, pray that your God protects you. And many of us know this story. God rescued Daniel. God shut the mouths of those lions. Many of us know this story from growing up. We heard it, we learned it in Sunday school or in, in Sabbath school. And, and some of us, unfortunately, were taught that the lesson of the story is if you are faithful to God, you won't be eaten by lions. Some of us may even remember hearing that. And because Daniel was faithful, God shut the mouths of lions and none of, none of him was touched. But that's not really the lesson of the story. The lesson of the story is the last sentence of verse 10. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. And then this last phrase, just as he had done before. That is why I started my sermon with the summary of my grandma's life. When her dad died, she continued to call on God. When she lost baby after baby after baby, she continued to call on God. 
When her husband abandoned her, disappeared, she called on God. When her grandchildren and her daughter-in-law were murdered, she called on God. When her second husband was killed in a car crash, she called on God. And guess what? The list of her life goes on. And every moment, no matter what, she called on God. I know this to be true. This is not hyperbole. I, I saw some of this with my own eyes. Some of the tragedies that happened even later when, when her son died of AIDS and she still called on God. When, when, when her other son went through a, a nasty divorce and she still called on God. When, when, when trouble after trouble came, I saw this with my own eyes, but I've also heard it from the testimony of others. I talked about my grandma in a previous sermon and, and Mark Willie, our organist, Mother, Margot, she, she wrote me and she said, is your grandma Pauline, was your grandma Pauline Stewart? And I told her, yes, she was. And she testified to me that, that, that she was such a faithful and dedicated and kind woman who took in the Margot's family. Mark, our very own Mark Willie's mom and grandparents and, and, and blessed them and cared for them. No matter what happened in her life, she did what she had done before, just like Daniel. Daniel, a hostage from Jerusalem in this pagan land, he calls on God. Daniel's life threatened, not because of anything he did, but because some people can't interpret a dream. He calls on God, risking his life to speak truth to men of power on multiple occasions. He calls on God, a law established simply for the purpose of destroying him, having the entire, almost the entire kingdom's leaders oppose him, he still calls on God. The lions don't always shut their mouths. John the Baptist was faithful to God, and he got devoured by the acts of an adulterous king. Stephen was faithful to God, and he got devoured by the stones of his enemies. Jesus was more faithful than Daniel, more faithful than John the Baptist, more faithful than Stephen, and he got devoured by the lion of sin on a cross for you and for me. The lesson is not faithfulness will keep you from getting devoured. The lesson is not faithfulness will keep you from trials and struggles. The lesson is be faithful even in the face of being devoured. Daniel was salt. He was a city on a hill. He was a light shining forth from a house. When he was standing before kings and ruling the land. Daniel was salt and he was a city on a hill. And, and, and he was a, a light shining forth from a house when a decree had been issued to destroy his life. Daniel was, was salt, and he was a city on a hill, and he was a light shining forth from a house when he was in the pit of a lion's den. No matter what, Daniel was the same here and here and here. To be a Daniel means to let people know who you are and to then be that person whether you're standing before kings or you're facing the jaws of a lion. Dare to be a Daniel. 
The last lesson of this series is dare to be a Daniel. Dare to be salt. Dare to be a city on a hill. Dare to be a light shining forth. When you're before kings and when you're in trial. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to always be faithful. Jesus, I pray that we will live by the example of Daniel. That, that, that we will be salt and light to this world. Lord, help us to be a Daniel who, no matter what the trial, chose to call on you, God. Chose to be dependent upon you. What a, what a magnificent line. When Daniel was, was in great times, he called on you. And the Bible says, and when Daniel was in trial, he did just as he had done before. He remained faithful. I thank you for those in our community that set examples of this. I thank you for, for those who, who show us exactly who they are, the individual in our church who, who another said of them, they wear their faith on their sleeve. Praise God, may we all do that. And may we do it whether we're in good times or in bad. Whether we're surrounded by many or opposed by everyone. Whether we have friends in abundance or we have no friends at all. Lord, give us the strength to be Daniel or his friends. Individuals that will be salt and light. That will live just as we have before. Fully committed to you. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.